Hi, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Evoke Therapy Program's broadcast. I'm Dr. Brad Reedy, and today is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. For those that might be new to tonight's broadcast, tonight's format, tonight is a question and answer. So any question you have about any topic related to relationships, psychology, child development, parenting, we, we want to also give a special invitation for siblings or questions about or, or for siblings. You could submit your questions at any time. And then Malia, who's moderating for me this evening, she'll pass those on to me anonymously and I'll address them in the order that they've been sent in. We have nine pre-submitted questions, so we're going to get to those first and then we'll get to any of your live questions. So let's just jump right in to the first question. The first question is, have there been a, there have been a lot of questions about sibling programs in wilderness? Have there ever been any parent adult wilderness treatment programs with the boat? Well, funny you should ask. There have been for over a decade, parent-child. We have a family quest that can happen in conjunction with your child's treatment, uh, your, your child's placement at Evoke. So that can happen during, before, or after your child's treatment. We also have a very specific program called uh, Pursuits, Evoke Pursuits. And Evoke Pursuits programs are for young adults, but they can be for families, they can be for couples, and they're really customizable. So it can be primitive living, much like our wilderness therapy program, or you can schedule something with activities, adventure activities, whitewater rafting, uh, snowmobiling in the winter, of course, uh, snowshoeing, snow, snow skiing, cross country snow skiing. So any variation really on any content, we, we've done them in Asia, we've done them in North America, Central America, um, all across North America. So we have those two programs. But, but really, with the, the Pursuits program and the Intensive program, we're able to kind of mix and match any programming. So we can introduce adventure activities like fly fishing, or the bulk of it can be psychotherapeutic, right? We can do two or three or four days uh, of intense therapy, and then we can mix it up. Oftentimes, when we have children coming with a parent or a child coming with a parent, um, we will, uh, we will in, insert into that, that process, that therapeutic process, some of these adventure activities so that people aren't exhausted after two, three, four days of, you know, six or eight hours a day of therapy. So yes, we've had it. We've, we've actually had it since 1998, you know, the very first day that we opened, we were the first and only wilderness program at that time to bring parents out to the field for, for field visits in the middle of the program. And, and right from the beginning, we started doing these, we called them parent quests or, or, or parent or family walkabouts. So you could talk to our admissions specialist, you could talk to anybody on our team, and we absolutely have those and have had those for decades. decades. I've run, um, I don't even know how many I've run um, as a therapist, but we have a whole host of, of therapists that specialize in our pursuits, intensives, family walkabout um, experiences. In fact, it's so funny because somebody on, on, uh, that belongs to a face group book wrote to me recently and said that, that they encouraged us to include this in our programming, that this question and this idea in our programming. And, and they talked about how they heard about the books, my books, the podcast, and kind of some of that family work, but that, that others were talking about these, these family workshops. And I simply sent them a link to the page where we do our family work. We have family walkabouts. We have pursuits program. We have intensive programs. We have um, family visits during and at the end of the program. 
We have family workshops in the middle of the program. We have parent support groups virtual and live in a lot of the markets that we that we get referrals from. So our, our, our parent programming is really um, not really comparable to anybody else's if you combine when we started doing it and, and how much we're doing. We're always open to new programming. But yes, that's a very long-winded answer to say we, we definitely have a parent-child wilderness option for sure, and it's customizable. The next question reads, if clients are in the midst of a medication change and need some monitoring, are they able to come in from the field approximately once every two or three weeks? We could bring them in, but typically after that first visit, they're going to do a, a, a virtual call, which can happen from the office if they're in a place where virtual calls are, are difficult or coverage is difficult. So that, that's a common part of our program. So the answer is yes, we do it all the time. We have a wonderful head of psychiatry at our program, Dr. Brown. She's a fantastic person to collaborate with, both on our end and also on your end. She'll do an, an, an initial interview with the child, and then she'll do the follow-ups as needed. The default in our program, as it is in most wilderness programs, is to not change medication unless you see an indicator. We're not just going to do it because, because people want to go down or up on medication. It's going to be a very deliberate decision. The reason being is that when you change a few variables in somebody's life, if you put them in a wilderness program and change medication, for example, right away, and then you see a change in the child, you don't know what to attribute it to. So you don't want to introduce more than one significant variable at a time. So the default is, is maintain the same med medical regimen that you, you started the program on, but if the therapist and, and our psychi psychiatric staff believe that there's an indication that, that moving up or, or changing or, or going off of medication is indicated, we're absolutely willing to do that. Um, somebody says, in your list of support groups, did you recommend Adults Anonymous? I've never heard of Adults Anonymous. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Um, I think what I, you know, here's the slide for those, that you, those of you that are watching live that I use when I announce that. We ask or encourage you to go, invite you to go to six 12-step support groups. That's a very common recommendation in the 12-step world. Just to give it a try, you can go to six of the, of the same type of meeting or you can mix it up a little bit. The ones that we recommend are Al-Anon, Codependence Anonymous, Families Anonymous, and Adult Children of Alcoholics or adultchildren.org. That last one might sound like a very small group of people, but really it's for anybody. In fact, maybe you, that's where you got that from. Anybody who has parents, really, with anything less than optimal family patterns, which really I think includes every single person. We also include refugerecovery.org and NAMI.org, which stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, as options for free resources, classes, and support groups in your area. But I haven't heard of Adults Anonymous. If it's a new one, which I've just never been exposed to it. So I'll have to Google that a little bit later. Or, or Malia, maybe you could Google it and and cut and paste a little bit about the description of it and I can read, read it for people later. So somebody says, I can't change people, so how do I live with them? Boundaries, yes, but how? I mean, that's the big question right um if they are an adult child you don't have to live with them 
If it's a spouse, you don't have to live with your spouse. Whenever I say that or give that as an option, in fact, somebody told me that about my, my book one time about, I, I start off both books talking about my separation in 2010. They hear me encouraging people just to, you know, split at the first sign of trouble. I'm not saying that at all, but if I'm asked the question and things become untenable, then eventually we're going to talk about what I refer to as the nuclear option, which is we're going to change things radically, including people's living situations. If you're talking about an adolescent child, obviously the nuclear option is much, much more dramatic, right? I, I, I don't usually say, well, if it gets too bad, put them up for foster care or adoption. That, that's not something I would even imagine saying to, to a group of parents. Um, but you've got to find a way, don't you? That's where I would say get a therapist, you know, get one of these support groups that I've described and, and learn how to live with people. You know, some of you know, if you're a regular watcher or listener, that... Um, I kind of skip over the basics. I don't talk about simple tools or techniques very often or very often or, or, or simple behavioral solutions. Um, I think there's a lot of educators who do that work and, and, and they're out there and that works fantastic for them. That's not me. I, I think that therapy and, and the therapeutic work is much more fundamental. You know, we talk about at Avoca, a, a fundamental shift or a fundamental transformation. That's why we talk about ideas and philosophy and myth so much and, and, and metaphor because the kind of change that I'm talking about is a, a whole change. It, it's, it's a different way of, of being in relationship to your child. So to, to, to talk about how do I live with somebody that's difficult, that's a therapeutic question that, that deserves a therapeutic process. Um, it's difficult to answer that question because literally the, the, the variations are infinite on what you could do. I don't believe in telling people what to do, especially with hard decisions like this one, hard, hard choices like this one, because it really comes down to where you're coming from. If you're coming from fear, and and control it doesn't matter what you do it, it's not going to it's not going to be the authentic thing it's not going to be the right thing if you're coming from from love and courage and authenticity it doesn't matter what you do because it's always going to be right right it's hard to get it wrong if you're coming from the right place that's why i i, I teach and the quote of my book is there's no generic solution or technique, but it's really about a, a practice, a disciplined practice of thinking through the situation. So many times when parents ask me questions about what they might say or do to, do with their child, we'll, we'll talk through the, the, the many issues at hand and we'll get to the point where they feel very comfortable with it. But inevitably, they'll come back from the discussion with their child and saying, I presented the, the issue and, and what we had talked about with my child, but they came back with this retort. You know, the equation changed 
just a percentage. Or my child is on the autism spectrum, not an addict. Or my child is a young adult, not an adolescent. Or my child that I'm talking about is, is eight years old and not 18 years old. The kind of concepts that I'm talking about are universal. It's why if you go, for example, to an Al-Anon meeting, the person sharing might be talking about living with an alcoholic spouse. That's the origin of the program. Where it started was the spouses of alcoholics. But they're talking about how to be with other people that are self-sabotaging, that are intrusive, that are uh, emotionally abusive. How to deal with somebody that, that's in a pattern of self-harm or self-sabotage that doesn't seem to be able to change. What do you do in those circumstances? So yes, it's very different in dealing with an eight-year-old child than a spouse, or at least I hope it is, right? The choices are different. The implications are different, but there are core principles. And the reason people come back to me after a question and answer where they feel really good about their, their marching orders, so to speak, the reason they come back to me is because they haven't internalized the concept yet, right? Or they might just need emotional support to kind of fight another day, to kind of go back and get into the fray again. So it's really important that we understand that at Evoke, we're talking about uh, the difference between what should I do, which is what I talk about in the journey of the heroic parent as kind of the main premise, that the shift is, is away from what should I do to what is my relationship with myself? Who am I? Who is my child? What's my relationship to them? What's my relationship to their issues, to their problems? Did I cause it? Can I control it? Can I cure it? You know, those are the kinds of questions that we delve into because that's where, in my mind, the wisdom is. I've just been doing this too long to give out formulas or advice about how to fix somebody else. You, you know, the, the journey of the heroic parent, the main premise is, is that healthy parenting changes you, that parent education is meant to change you and not your child. And that the outcome of healthy parenting is not well-behaved children, but it's peace and confidence and serenity and courage. That's the outcome of healthy parenting. And, and what it results in is being a healthier wife, a healthier husband, partner, a healthier boss, a healthier employee, a healthier sibling. It's all the same story. But as you're working through it, that's why working with a coach or a therapist can be so helpful because you can kind of talk your way through it. You can give 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 or 1,000 examples and kind of talk through it. And what I think happens on the back end of those kinds of discussions is you're learning how to think. So many people tell me that after doing the work that they start to wonder, it's the same thing I do with my therapist. I wonder what Brad would say to this. In my case, I say, I wonder what Jamie would say to this. But I've been meeting with Jamie for so long and have, have practiced what I'm, what I'm preaching right now that I have a good sense about what Jamie would say. So if you listen to these broadcasts enough or, or read the books or, or work with a, an attachment-based therapist as a coach at Evoke, after a while, you'll start to think differently about it. You'll start to have a response. And, and you know, it doesn't take away all of the pain. It just gives the, the, the pain meaning, right? It gives the, the struggle 
meaning and and perspective. So it's a it's a great question about what to do with somebody when it becomes untenable, and it's a the answer is in the discipline and the practice that I just mentioned. Somebody somebody writes this. I've been thinking a lot lately about the idea of giving up in terms of letting go, as in giving up expectations, giving up rules in the name of preserving and prioritizing the relationship. Also in terms of giving up, as in giving up on you. I worry that my letting go of expectations and outcomes feels too much to me and my struggling team, that I'm giving up on him. I'm so tired that I think I give in too easily. I know sometimes, I know some of this comes from my feelings of guilt as I hold boundaries and being okay with my teen, my teen feeling sad about those boundaries. How do I keep myself in check in terms of compromising versus giving up on, on him? Such a profound question. And in just a moment, I'm going to read to you something that my daughter wrote that I shared on, on social media. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to sound crazy. I'm going to say something that took me 20 years in psychotherapy as a client to figure out. But, but, but I haven't found an exception to this. I don't think I found an exception to this yet. Um, the great barrier in, in getting free, the great barrier in, in being healthy, the great barrier in the work is our aversion to being bad. That's it. That's the secret. And so the subtitle of my new book, Learning to Love Your Horrible Rotten Self, is an invitation to, to make peace with the parts of yourself that you were taught were bad, like prioritizing self-care, for example, saying no, saying I can't, or I'm not willing to do something, setting a boundary and let somebody, not only let some, letting somebody be angry, but really what you're, what you're up against is them suggesting consciously and explicitly or unconsciously and implicitly the idea that you're a bad mom or a bad dad or a bad husband or wife or spouse or, or partner, right? So if you've made peace with that horrible, rotten self, if you've come to terms with the fact that you're not good or bad, but you're all of it, you're human, um, people can't use it against you. So because so few of us know that that's the work or, or can do it, we end up compromising trying to change other people. Because if I can change you, I don't have to change. We end up living in the illusion that my problem is outside of me. It's out there. Connie Zwieg, who co-authored or really co-edited one of my favorite books, one of my life-changing books, it's called the Meeting the Shadow, Understanding the Power of the Dark Side of Human Nature. She wrote another book where she says it, it took a long time in her journey from from you know, touring India and going to all kinds of therapists and gurus before she realized that until she accepted that she was the reason, the way she was living her life was the cause of her unhappiness, that things would never change. 
So I know this is a radical statement that won't make sense, especially to the new folks, to the older folks. You've heard it before. You've heard something like it before. But ultimately, your children or your spouse or your brother or your sister or your parent, if you're an adult, is not the reason for your unhappiness. And changing them, therefore, is not the solution. But the way that you're living your life, which means the way that you think, your perspective, that's the thing that's causing your unhappiness. And so the work is to find a therapist that can help you be born again. I mean, that's a religious term that people use, but I think it was originally the idea of this new kind of sensibility. That's what I think it was teaching. My daughter wrote this. I think this is a profound statement. I was in New York a week and a half ago, and um, I was teaching a group of parents, brought there to run a workshop, and I brought my, my daughter was there vacationing with me, but also she came and presented on the three circles, which is one of our, 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 kind of our, our flagship concepts at Evoke. And Emma taught this when she was teaching the three circles in front of the group. She said, breaking free from my dysfunctional family patterns brings a lot of guilt. Now I should tell you, I am a part of the dysfunctional family patterns, right? It's, it's my dysfunction. I'm not the only one, but I'm one of them. So Emma says to a group of parents who have paid me to teach them about parenting. My daughter, Emma says, Breaking free from my dysfunctional family patterns brings a lot of guilt. I need help to carry it. So I go to therapy so that my therapist can help me carry the guilt. I thought it was so simple and ingenious. That's one of the reasons why we go to therapy, right? As we break free, break free from our family patterns and say no to our children and learn to let go and get told by people that we don't care, that we're abandoning them, that we don't love them, because you have to be prepared for those, what Harriet Lerner calls change back messages. Harriet Lerner wrote, Dr. Harriet Lerner wrote, my favorite book on boundaries, it's called The Dance of Anger. And she says, it's, it's wise to anticipate the change back messages because you're gonna hear them and they're gonna be your worst fears. So, so to, to carry that guilt that comes with those kinds of shifts and changes, you need a therapist that can help you carry it, can let you know it's okay. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say I can. It's okay to prioritize self-care. It's okay to let go. And even though you're being accused of all manner, all kinds of accusations and insults, it's not true. It's just what people did to you first as a child to control you kind of what we do our children do. And then because our children were trained by us to say those same kinds of things, they take it up. We train our children to, to know what our vulnerabilities are, our Achilles heel, our weak spots are. And they repeat or, or, or echo the messages from our childhood. So how do you break free and learn to let go of controlling others, let go of the outcome, not get involved in the drama, turn the addict's life back over to them or the, the, the young person's life back over to them? How do you do that? First of all, you do it on your own time frame. Let me be clear about that. You don't do it on my time frame or any therapist's time frame. And if anybody tells you 
that you need to or should set a boundary with your child, you can tell them to go jump in a lake because that's their stuff. Their job is to support you along with your journey. But in the end, as you learn to let go, you're going to have to face your greatest fear, which is that you're not a good person, that you're a failure, that you're bad. I don't know what your word is, but it will be your word and it will hurt a lot. But if you've made peace, if you've made peace with your dragons, with with your demons, with your ghosts, nobody can use them against you. That is the work. That is the pathway of mental health. I love what a great poet said. He said, we shouldn't be fighting our demons. We should be gentle with them, asking them where they got the scratches on their ankles and the burn marks on their hands. We should find somebody. We, we find somebody who can help us compassionately look back and discover how we got here. I, I was talking to a parent today, and I was saying, someone I've worked with for years who asked the question, because this is a bold thing that I'm about to say. I said, what you think is the solution is actually the cause of the problem. And what you think the cause of the problem is, is actually the solution. So it's not just that we have a history with our children where we dent and bruise them. We're doing it today. I'm doing it today. I'm not accusing you of anything that I'm not doing. I have attachment wounds. I struggle with codependency, with relationships, with boundaries, with controlling others, with letting go. That's why I make it my business to to practice my own mental health treatment by going to therapy and other support groups. So it's a it's a journey. And, and, and yes, there are books out there, you know, that talk about natural consequences and logical consequences. Parenting with love and logic is one. There are lots of books out there that kind of tell you how to do it. The step parenting manual, systematic training and effective parenting. The, the PET model, parenting, parenting and effective training. There are plenty of workbooks and, and manuals out there about how to do it. That's not what we do. And if you want to read those, they can definitely be of help. They can give you some tools, some skills, some ideas. Definitely. I'm not, but, but they're already written. And our work is transformation for everybody. I say that, You know what's funny about this? I say all of these things to your kids. I first get their attention when I go out to the field to visit during my training sessions and I say, we know your parents are crazy and they're not going to change. Immediately, the kids are like, who's this guy? He seems to be a genius, right? (laughs) Because I said, you guys are crazy. This guy must have something important to say because he gets it. That's all I say. And then I say, now, having said the fact that your parents are changed, are crazy and that they're, they're hopeless. They will never change. Now, what are you going to do about it? It's, it's becoming time, depending upon their age, for you to take up the responsibility of, of living your own life. Yes, your parents dented you, and I will listen as long as you need to to empathize with the dents that you received at your, from your parents. They received them from their parents too. And their parents received them from their parents on infinitum.
Now, it's your responsibility to, to heal it. Yes, your parents feel so guilty that they feel so obligated that they can't let go and they have to kind of punish themselves along the way by compromising their boundaries. And then they end up they end up resentful and angry at you because you're not making them happy. You're not doing what you need to do so they can sleep at night. Yes, that's true. But it's your life from here on. And you've got to figure it out. That's the transformation, you guys. And I know I'm talking quickly and I know I'm saying a lot, but it's recorded and you can go back and listen again. This is about understanding what it means to be a human and be connected to another person. And the things that you were taught, many of them, me too, the things that we were taught that fix problems are the problem. And the things that we were taught that were the problems are actually the solution. So, somebody writes, our daughter is currently in your wilderness program. She is 16 years old. She started therapeutic, her therapeutic journey two years ago in another wilderness program. She then went to a residential treatment center and then to a step-down program. How can we help make this experience as imp- be as impactful as it can be? What are the markers your team looks for that the student is ready to move to the next step? Thank you for your podcasts and webinars. We started listening to your podcast two years ago when our daughter started treatment. We are learning so much and doing our work. You kind of answered, you kind of stole my thunder there by that last sentence. You know, I don't like to sell when I teach. I just don't like it. I don't like to sell. I don't like self-promotion with my books, with my podcasts, with whatever. I just don't like to do it because it feels so self-serving. That's my own family shame that I need to kind of work out. I'll do that on my own time. Having said that, I will tell you, the thing that you can do to make the biggest impact in your child's life is to do therapy on a weekly basis and to, to include intensive work in that. I can say that without shame because I have gone to another place, not Evoke, of course, and gotten the same help nine times. I've done a couple's. I've done an individual, I've done a a recurring men's group. I've done nine intensives myself and paid full price. And I will continue to to do this kind of work throughout my life. And I'll continue to see my therapist. You know, I I was telling somebody today, I probably have had five family therapy sessions. My PhD, by the way, is in marriage and family therapy. Just, Just for some background. I probably have done five individual, excuse me, five family sessions in the last 10 years, 11 years. I probably have done three or maybe four sessions with my wife, couples therapy. I did do an intensive in that time. And every other week that I've been available for the past 22 years, I've gone to individual therapy. And in individual therapy, I am working on my marriage. I am working on my parenting. I'm working on my relationship with my employees at work, my colleagues, my acquaintances, my family of origin. Because inside here, inside of me, is the problem. I know where it started. I, I know who's, who started this problem. You know, my mom and dad and, and their parents and so on and so on and so on. 
But now it's mine. Now the problem is mine. And I want to own it. I want to own it for many reasons. Number one, then I have some control over it, right? If the problem is in me, then I have some control over fixing it because I can change me with a lot of effort. So I like the idea of owning it. But I own it so that my children don't have to own it. I had a client out in the field recently say to me that they were afraid of, of, of telling me that something I said didn't sit right with them. And they didn't tell me right away. They waited till the end of the session. They said, you know what? Something you said at the beginning really hurt my feelings. And you laughed. And I sat there. This is with a child in, in our wilderness program. And I said, and she said to me, she said, my heart was pumping. My heart was beating out of my chest when I thought about telling you that. And I said, tell me more about that. I'm, I'm so glad that you told me what you didn't like. I'm so glad that you were able to confront authority. I know what a risk that is. Why were you afraid? What did you think I was going to do? And as we kind of unpacked it, she said, well, when I confront my parents, it doesn't go well. They, they turn it back on me. They make me the problem. And she went on to say, when I criticize my parents, especially my father, his ego is, is bruised and he gets angry and loud and kind of pushes it back to me. So this, this discussion took about 10 minutes to go through this. And I said, I, I imagined it was a good reason why you were nervous. Thank you for telling me. I teach the therapist at Evoke. One of the best things you can do for our, our, the children that are in our program, a young adult and adolescent children, and their parents is honor and welcome and celebrate when they can they confront you. In fact, I think there's somebody on here today. There's somebody listening right now who I had a session with, I think about five or six years ago, and she probably knows who she is. And I, I conducted a session for her that was really bad. Didn't start off bad, but it got bad. I got very confronted. I was in a power struggle. I was trying to make her see it. It was horrible. And after the session, I walked away. I felt, after I had some clarity and some time to relax, I felt guilty about it. And I came back to her and I said sincerely, like, I'm sorry, that was wrong. And I think it's exactly what the therapist at your son's, your other, because her son was at another program. I think that's exactly what's happened to you before. And there's no excuse for that. And I don't need you to say it's okay. I don't need to be forgiven. I just want to own it. And we had a, a wonderful second session. And she came back for more and she's a regular uh, attendee here. And she knows who she is, so hi to you. But it's really important that children are allowed to be themselves and that parents are allowed to be themselves. And that we don't advise them of what they should do, but help them to find it themselves. Somebody says, we have th three young adult children. In 14 months, all three have been hospitalized. Two for suicide attempts, one for cannabis-induced psychosis. It's been difficult. We are working on ourselves and trying to let go of outcomes. We are struggling with guilt and shame 
and asking where did we go wrong? Any strategies and tips for us to have more grace and forgiveness for ourselves as parents? Again, it goes back to Emma's comment. Um, find a therapist who doesn't know what you should do and that can support you with, with healing. Find somebody, find a support group. You know, if you're an alcoholic and you walk into AA and you're looking for help and you, you tell the, the, the story, the narrative of your despicable, unethical, immoral choices in the context of your addiction, the people in that group will say, you're in the right place. You're welcome here. Sit next to me. And then you start to heal. You know, I shared this last week that, that there was a quote from, in fact, I can read it because it's on my desktop here. There was a quote that went around from Ram Dass a couple weeks ago. And he said, a lot of people try to counteract the, quote, I am not good enough, unquote, with, quote, I am good enough, unquote. In other words, Ram Dass explains, they take the opposite of I am not good enough and they invest it. But he says that still keeps them at polarities. The art of the transformation that he's talking about, that we're talking about, is to go beyond the polarities, he says. So the act is, is not to go to the world of I am good to counteract I am bad. Or to, to, to use I am lovable as opposed to I am lovable. The idea is to go to a different level of consciousness. See, I am good and I am bad is the same level of consciousness. And you can't destroy a house with the tools that built it. That's not what you do it with. You've got to go to something other. And what Ram Dass says, the opposite of I am bad, of, uh, the opposite of I am bad and I am good is I am. But go behind it, he explains, to I am. I am I am, and I am includes the fact that I do crappy things and I do beautiful things, and I am, and that includes everything that I am. So I'm not going to tell you that you're a good enough parent because you wouldn't believe it anyway because the evidence is, is overwhelmingly telling you the opposite. But I am going to tell you what I learned from sitting with my therapist for 20 years, and that is you're human, and you've done crappy things, and you've dented your children. And you're in the right place. Get in line. It's okay. That's, you guys, that's how therapy changes you. Therapy changes you because what was once bad or unacceptable or, or appalling at home in the presence of an empathic, capable therapist is now nothing. And the great Carl Rogers explained that the great paradox is is that when I accept myself, I can change. The great paradox is, Carl Rogers said, the great paradox is is that when I accept myself, I can change. And when I teach the art and science of therapy to my clinicians, the clinicians that evoke, I explain that to them. I say, you don't need to punch the defense in the nose. 
In fact, don't even try to fix the client. Fixing is kind of a manipulative or maybe even violent activity. Instead of fixing them, understand them. And they will fix themselves. Do what Fred Rogers did. He never tried to get a kid to think or feel something he wasn't thinking and feeling. He held it. He understood it. He honored it. He sat with it. He gave it a voice. Because he knew somehow, I don't know how he knew, because it took me a lot of money and a lot of time in therapy to figure it out. Even having a PhD, it took me many years after that. And people did say it to me, but I didn't understand what they were saying. I used to go to my therapist and say, I need you to kick me in the butt. I need you to challenge me. I need you to call me on my crap. I would say, I'm not weak. I'm not fragile. And maybe you're not confronting me because you think I'm weak and fragile. And she just kept saying, I'm just trying to understand you. And I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea why that was her project. And I had no idea how it would change me. I, I, I think that's what we, we, we talk about when we talk about grace. Which is the antidote for shame. So, long-winded answer to your question. Yeah, you dented your kids. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry it's painful. And now, it, now those dents are theirs. And there's some work to do. And I promise you on the other side is joy. And once you find a place where, where shame dies, all you want to do your entire life is bring everybody to that place. When I realized, because I sat on the client's couch long enough, when I realized that the, the change that being loved and seen and understood, when I discovered what that did for me, I went back out and I said, that's all I want to do with my clients now. And when I have new young therapists who have been trained in, quote, evidence-based models, unquote, with fancy techniques and diagrams and workbooks. When I'm talking to them and I explain to them, this is beneath it all, right? Doesn't matter. ACT, DBT, CBT, EMDR, the list is endless. Doesn't matter what your technique is. If this sensibility is not there, it won't work or it will not work as effectively. And they'll say to me, but Brad, you know, we're, we're kind of hired and paid to facilitate change in our clients and our families, the families we work with. And I simply say to them, I know you are. This is how you do it. You, you, you love them. You see them. And when they present a, a problem or something that they think is repulsive or ugly or unacceptable, you say to them, I'm sure you had a good reason for that. In one way, that behavior that, that you were taught was unacceptable wasn't the problem. It was the solution to a deeper or bigger problem. And what I'm curious about is what was the problem? You see, your, 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 your substance use problem in, in this way is a solution. Your sexual addiction is a solution. Your cutting, your school refusal is a solution. So what problem is it solving? And that's where we go. We go to the root. 
and, and, and with compassionate eyes and hearts and ears, we help heal the wound. That's what it means to be trauma-informed. That's what Bessel van der Kock is talking about. That's what Gabor Mate is talking about. That's what all of these folks that are making popular the phrase trauma-informed treatment, trauma-informed therapy are talking about. That the symptom is just the symptom. Go to the root. I'll say one last thing in, in the context of this question. I've, I've told this story before. I was out in the field a couple of months ago with our young adult program. And I was explaining how you guys are crazy and everybody's like, Brad's a genius because he knows our parents are crazy. So I got their attention. And I was saying, look, I know your parents dented you. And I know that they were dented by their parents. And I even said, and you're going to dent your parents someday. And one of the young women said, yeah, but not as bad as our parents. And I said, yeah, that, that, that's probably true. And that probably makes you feel better to think you're not going to do as badly as your parents. And I think that's one thing we all come into parenting with is that I'm just going to be better than my parents, at least that. But it won't matter. Because when your child, when your son, when your daughter is hurt or angry at you, the fact that you did, did it better than your parents is completely, absolutely irrelevant. In fact, if you think that and even say that or suggest it or imply it, you're gaslighting them. You're saying to them, you don't have it that bad. You should be grateful for what you do have. You shouldn't be as mad or hurt or upset as you are. We have to come to terms with the thing that we were told to hate, which is the other parts of us. So I don't know the name of the person who wrote this question because I don't have access to that information. And my heart goes out to you because your children are struggling honestly and sincerely. It does. But you're not alone and I'm with you. I am you. I'm not here because I'm a perfect parent and I don't dent my children. I'm here because I know the project is me and not my child. I know the project is to to heal my trauma so as to be better able and capable of being there for those that I love and for myself. All right. We're, we're, we're out of time today. I know there might be new questions. We'll save them for the next broadcast. So let me run through upcoming events. My two books, the journey of the heroic parent and the audacity to be you are on, on Amazon and audible. I did read the, the, the audio book for the audacity to be you. So if that interests you, that's available. Like I said, we have support groups for families all year long, every week. The next one is November 4th at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. We also have an alumni-only parent support group once a month. And the next one of that is November 23rd at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And then for our intensives alumni, November 9th at 6 p.m. Contact Malia at evoketherapy.com for more information or to register. If you want to do a deep dive in your own work, like I said, this is the best investment I can think of financially and, and, and for yourself. We have online intensives and in-person intensives in Northern Utah. Our online intensive, our next one is this, this weekend. I should add a new date soon because that date is, is, is that program is full. But the next in-person one is November 10th. After that is December 8th. And then we also have a second ongoing one, which is called Returning to You. We'll, we'll have that date soon. 
contact contact intensives at evoketherapy.com for more information. If you want an attachment based evoke coach that can that can meet with you virtually about parenting, about relationships, about doing your own work, contact coaching at evoketherapy.com. We have a wonderful um stable of coaches who are trained in the evoke model that I've been describing tonight and talk about on these broadcasts. Like I said earlier, we ask all current families to go to at least six 12-step support groups, any combination of Al-Anon, CODA, Families Anonymous, or adult children. Also, refugerecovery.org or NAMI.org are excellent resources in your local community. If you want to do an adventure trip with your child, anywhere from three to 30 days, anywhere in the world, customized, or if you want to do it as a young adult, this can also be young adults, our pursuits programs are available for people. You can do that uh, after a program, even between programs. It can be a great way to spend time with your child because usually they recommend that you just bring the child directly. And this can be a way to spend time with, with some therapeutic support. All of these broadcasts are available the next day, typically on any of your favorite podcast app. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Finding You, an Evoke Therapy podcast, or go to soundcloud.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using the handles either at Evoke Therapy or at Dr. Brad Reedy. You can also find our intensives program on Instagram using the handle at Evoke Therapy Intensives. On Facebook, you can find both of our programs by searching Evoke Therapy programs or Evoke Therapy Intensives. And then, of course, our Evoke Therapy blog has wonderful content each week curated by, by Malia, who does a wonderful job. I'm going to postpone November 4th meeting that's here. I will move that to next Tuesday. So on November 9th at 6.30 p.m., I will be talking about in-laws. I can't wait to do this one. I haven't done it in seven or eight years, and it was requested. So I'm really excited to talk about in-laws and extended families and, and, and members and how to deal with them. So all of those dates get bumped back, and then November 16th, I'll, I'll return for a Q&A. All right, folks. I hope this is a helpful point of contact. Thank you for your attendance. Thank you for and on behalf of the people that love you, your children for you being willing to do your work by attending and listening in and asking questions. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.